Good afternoon and welcome to the latest in our series of podcasts. Um, today we're going to be talking about the menopause. Um, it's a hot topic, pun intended. Some of the key stats to be aware of though and that kind of show you how serious we do need to take it is that there's 900,000 women in the UK who've left their jobs as a result of menopausal symptoms. 67% of UK women aged 50 to 64 are employed, so we're talking about big numbers here. 44% who have been surveyed have said their ability to work ability to work was affected by the menopause. 26% took time off due to menopausal symptoms. 14% reduced their hours. 14% went part-time. 10% left their job. It's really important we understand these numbers and the impact that it has, and it's really important that we understand what we need to do about it as businesses. To guide us through this really important topic, I'm delighted to welcome Anjanette Fraser. Anjanette is the host of Bite Size Nutrition Podcast, the Bite Size Nutrition YouTube TV channel. She has an array of qualifications, including a business degree, nutrition degree, an MSc in nutritional, science, nutritional medicine, the list goes on. She's an academic researcher, has 17 years experience in delivering seminars and webinars to organisations. Anjanette Fraser is a qualified menopause specialist, which is what we're talking about today. Her previous career though was in corporate finance, looking after mergers and acquisitions at PwC, from where she brings a wealth of experience in understanding the dynamics of the workplace. Anjanette was one of the lead nutritionists at Nuffield Health and is now the nutrition director at the Natural Alternative Health and Wellbeing Limited company, which you'll be able to find online. If you go on the website, you will find information like menopause in the workplace, just one of a number of expertise areas. I'm delighted to get the opportunity to talk to Anjanette about today and many other topics I hope to get to talk to her about in the future as well. How this all began for Jeanette, in 2017, a HR director at a large UK construction organisation requested a menopause webinar in response to feeling unsupported in a mostly male environment. This webinar became one of the most popular seminars and webinars delivered by the Natural Alternative Health and Wellbeing Limited company and demonstrated a strong business case for menopause in the workplace. Managing the change was created to support this organisational need and the service offerings have evolved to support various areas within organisations, employees, managers and HR. Welcome, Anjanette. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. It's a real pleasure. And I know it's a really busy time for you at the moment because a lot of companies are talking about this, trying to understand what they need to do. I know last week you were at the British Menopause Society AGM and you were a key speaker there. So how did that go? It was pretty awesome, if I'm totally honest. I'm very humbled to be in front of, there were, I believe, 400 people in the audience, a mixture of GPs and hospital consultants, um, and not my usual audience. Normally, my audience in delivering webinars are general public. So um, it was, uh, I was quite nervous, if I'm honest, um, but I think it went good. I think it went well. I was talking about my, my master's, my dissertation, which is about omega-3 and the menopause, and yeah, I found it massively inspiring. Um, there's so much content. I learned more in terms of options for menopausal women, in terms of HRT. Also, there's a bit of a debate going on at the moment in terms of testosterone. Should we give that to women? Is it required? Um, and of course, a great networking opportunity as well. So really well spent two days. Brilliant. I mean, it really strikes me from the conversations we've had um, that not only do you have a lot to say on the subject because you've got a lot of expertise, you're also constantly listening and constantly learning. So it sounds like you took away a lot from last week as well as brought a lot to it as well. 
Yeah, massively. I mean, I, I was one of the absolute minority. There certainly weren't very many, if at all, any other nutritionists there. So um, there was a lot of nutrition questions asked, which is absolutely brilliant because everybody realizes that it is important. Diet and lifestyle is one of the most basic and important parts that we can all do to help and support women. Um, but yeah, just the opportunity just to be with so many people of you know immersed in the world of of menopause was just phenomenal and and it was an annual conference it's only once a year so i was really honored to be able to have the opportunity to share the platform with so many other great speakers that's fantastic there's a lot of knowledge in that room a lot of capable people but I imagine for a lot of businesses it's a bit of a minefield lots of misunderstanding so what would you say the biggest myths are out there about the menopause I'd say if we're thinking just in terms of for the individual, because as you said in the intro, this big part of what I do is delivering webinars to the general public. So I'm talking to them all the time and the end of each webinar, I've got a Q&A session and I really understand what are the questions that are on the coalface? What do people really want to know? And in terms of myths, um, there is still this misconception that um, menopause affects um older women um it's probably because that's what many of us like to think but in the harsh reality um the actual average age of a menopause woman in the uk is 51 but it starts way before that the average age that women start to experience symptoms menopausal symptoms are actually 45 around 45 uh, years of age so it's a lot earlier than probably most of us think um, so that's the first myth. And I'd probably say the other one, which I kind of still trying to get out there, is it's not really all about hot flushes. So I I know lots of my friends and peers and colleagues who think that, you know, it's it's about hot flushes and, and they're not perimenopausal because they're not experiencing hot flushes yet. But actually, from the research that I did from my dissertation for my master's, is that hot flushes actually occur much later on in the journey, much earlier than that, are things like insomnia and mental health. And so people are not appreciating that if their sleep isn't great and their mental health is not as good as it used to be, they're perhaps wondering, why do I feel this way? What's going on? And it's affecting them emotionally, mentally, physically, and also the repercussions in the workplace, because it means that, you know, we, we've all been there. How do we feel when we haven't had a great night's sleep? We don't feel as productive the next day. So it absolutely affects our performance in terms of the workplace. So from my point of view, it's a building an awareness for everybody, not just for the general public, but also for organisations to be aware of what are the menopausal symptoms, how we can support people going through that chapter, because it is a chapter of their life. It's not forever. It's a small part of their life. What can we do to support those people so that they don't feel alone? And they don't feel that they don't have any choices um, and they don't feel, as you said, you know, 14 percent reduced their hours and went part time. Ten percent of women actually left their job. We don't want that to be the case. If women don't want to reduce their hours and they don't want to leave the workplace, they shouldn't have to. As a workplace and employer, we should be able to support them to help them get through that transition in that chapter. Understood. And you mentioned perimenopausal there. My understanding is that's the period before the menopause kicks in. So it's where some of the impacts start to show, yeah. but it's not classed as the menopause itself. Is that correct or am I yeah. off the mark? No, no, absolutely right, Steve. Yeah. So the technical definition of a menopause, to be all to be honest, 
it's actually only one day in a woman's life. So menopause that day is the one year anniversary of no menstrual blood loss for a woman. But that, as you know and can imagine, doesn't happen overnight. Um, for many women, you know, that can be a period of sort of five to ten years where for some women their cycle starts to um, go a little abnormal. Um, but for many women, they perhaps didn't have a regular inverted commas cycle anyway. So how do they know of their perimenopausal? Because it was never regular anyway. And of course, there's lots of different forms of contraception, etc. So it's really blurred. And I'd love to be able to say there was one really great test that somebody can do to tell whether they are indeed menopausal or not. And unfortunately, it doesn't exist. There is a blood test from your doctor. So absolutely go recommend that people do it, check in with their doctor, make, uh, you know, on the doctor's notes, make them realise that you perhaps are at this stage of life. But all it does is it measures something called FSA follicle stimulating hormone but in all honesty women's hormones vary that much over a reproductive cycle that it's not conclusive so the honest answer is we say to women the best we've got at the moment is use a tracker one of those free apps that you can record where you are in your cycle how you feel and um, all the different symptoms and then some of these um, apps can generate a free report that you can then take to your doctor and that can then help you and the doctor decide if you are perimenopausal because yes the perimenopause stage comes before that one day of menopause and then once you've passed that one day you're then into post menopause so there's like three stages as it were brilliant so we've only been speaking a few minutes and you've already blown my mind with some facts that i thought as an educated person i'd have a better understanding and already you've kind of shown me things and gone okay didn't understand that that's new to me so that's great thank you for that so far but that's about what women can do for themselves it's what they can do with the doctors why do we need to take note of it in the corporate world and why is it being taken note of now yeah well okay first question why you know why should corporates look at it well in all honesty it's a workplace issue okay it's an equality issue uh, because of the uh, the 2010 um, Employee Act, Equality Act, and it's a health and safety issue, um, Health and Safety at Work 1974 Act. Um, so it is a workplace issue for um, many organisations. You know, the it's um, how many 70 no 67 percent of British UK women in the workplace are aged between 50 and 64. OK, that is a large part of most organisations uh, working population. So we need to understand what we can do to support this large proportion and growing proportion of the workplace. So I'd like to think of it in terms of what organisations can do as part of their diversity and inclusion culture because that's absolutely something that we ought to be in focusing and encouraging. Um, and I, you know, I'd much rather look at that angle, the carrot option, rather than the stick option, okay? Because there are, you know, kind of, there are issues if organisations possibly, if they don't follow um, in, su in supporting women, in um, listening to women, encouraging conversations. Um, for example, there have been tribunals. So in 2020, there were 16 tribunals in the UK last year 23 so the numbers are going up we don't want women to feel that they have to go to that extreme and we obviously as organizations don't want that negativity and the cost uh, that goes with that as well so doing some things that can support uh, knowledge information sharing um can 
reach everybody within the organization. So it's not just a short term thing. It's not a box ticking exercise. It needs to be ingrained. And perhaps that is through something like production of a menopause policy. Understood. And yeah, without wanting to be ageist, but to kind of paint that picture, the age group you described, there are going to be some serious players in that space in a business sense in lots of experience. They've got lots of capability that have built up over many years in lots of cases. So I don't want to be generic across the piece, but I do want to highlight there's going to be a high percentage of high, highly talented people that we shouldn't want to be walking away from the workplace, shouldn't want to feel um, uncomfortable in the workplace, and we should be finding ways to make things work. I noticed yesterday, and I know we had a quick conversation about this last night, that ACAS seemed to have updated their guidance. When you're talking about the carrot and the stick options, it feels almost like uh, there are a lot of businesses that are very much following the carrot approach and doing all the right things, and we want to help them with that. But it also feels there's a lot of businesses that aren't doing anything or don't understand it yet. And ACAS and alike will feel like the sticks are necessary requirement. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit of a minefield, isn't it? And it is predominantly within HR departments. They're already juggling lots of different balls in the areas at the moment anyway. Um, so I would say to, to workplaces, if it's on your, your radar and you're thinking maybe this is something that we ought to look into, I would say a good place to start is the Workplace Pledge. Um, they've got a great website. We'll put the link in the show notes as well. Um, and that's a really good um, place where you can go and read a bit more content in terms of what is required or what you could do to support your workplace so that's a that's a really good starting point i would say also it's about sharing of information so whether that is having someone like myself come in as a qualified menopause specialist to talk about what menopause is, how it affects the workplace, um, what are considered reasonable adjustments, um, what about manager training, um, you know, because it can be very difficult. I think many managers know that it is a, a conversation they may need to have, but they're perhaps a little bit unsure because it yes it's a sensitive conversation what can you say what can't you say you know what are the implications um so part of i also deliver manager training and we talk about how to have these more difficult conversations understanding your own workplace menopause policy so you know what you can and can't say but also we have to remember that you know 80 percent of people in the, women in the uk are going to experience menopausal symptoms so that means 20% are not, okay? But of the 80%, I can pretty much guarantee a large proportion of those are not gonna want to talk about it because it's a really personal issue. And I completely get that. Many people I've spoken to about it personally have said, you know, I don't want it to disadvantage my career progression. Um, as you said, Steve, you know, these are women that are a position in their life. They've worked for most of their life. They're experienced. They're knowledgeable. They are such valuable uh, part of the workplace. They want to stay on and work. They want to continue to um, contribute. But part of the frustration for many women is that during this perimenopause journey, they feel a lack of self-esteem they feel they don't know who they are anymore and that's that's quite difficult actually to imagine until you're actually in that position but it's it's like for most of your life you know yourself you understand yourself and then all of a sudden 
you don't. You don't know why you feel more emotional, why you can't think as clearly as you once were able to. Um, and that, of course, is then going to start to have a negative effect on your self-esteem because you don't know that you can't remember the name of the person you sat next to for 10 years. You know, these are women at this stage of life that are potentially delivering speaking events to hundreds of people um, and from absolutely nowhere, brain fog. You know, they can't think what they're meant to say, where they want to go with it. What was the question? That can be really humiliating. So it's part of the picture of information and knowledge sharing that says there are a lot of women in the workplace who are not going to want to share their personal journey. But we need to provide them with the information to help them. And we need to also, for in terms of manager training, signpost help the manager signpost these women so that if they don't want to talk about their own personal experience, then they know where they can go for further help that is perhaps outside of, you know, their immediate manager or perhaps the HR department. Brilliant. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I and mean, you mentioned before about the increase in cases that are coming through to court. So uh, those numbers seem like they're only going to increase more and more. With that being the case, there's probably an argument to make reasonable adjustments in the workplace like we would do if we were talking about a disability or something else of, of that nature. So what kind of things could we be making that are reasonable adjustments, recognising, of course, that the best reasonable adjustments are the ones where we speak to the individual and we ask them, what would you like us to do? Yeah, actually, you make a really valuable point there, Stephen. That That's really good. So to, 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 to expand on that point a little bit no two women will have the same menopausal journey. Um, so you're absolutely right. There is no one textbook that we can all follow. It's not that simple, unfortunately. So the best thing that we can do is absolutely we can ask them, what can we do to help you? What can we do to help make your, your day easier, to help you be more productive and support you in the workplace? What can we do to help? So um, listening is the number one skill that we can all have. Um, listening, active listening and practicing empathy as well without judgment, really taking the time. And it's not a, a one, two minute conversation. That's a how are you in passing? You know, it's a real conversation. Um, for many, it might be how regular do organisations have one to one um, conversations with their, their direct manager? Are they regular enough? You know, do you feel perhaps comfortable enough having those conversations with your manager? I know many women don't. Perhaps um, some say that because their manager may be male or perhaps they're younger than them, they feel a little bit uncomfortable. OK, and that's completely understandable. Um, could it be someone in HR, occupational health, maybe e even an EAP, an employee assistant provider, someone like that, that you can talk to confidentially? So, yes, having that discussion um, openly, uh, if you feel comfortable with your uh, manager, um, is certainly a good place to start in terms of how often are those one-to-ones. In terms of other, what are considered reasonable adjustments, I would like to think that most of them are part of a workplace at the moment anyway. Things like having access to bathrooms, you know, regular bathroom visits, um, are sanitary products available in those bathrooms, access to um, water, um, access to um, cooler areas of the office or the workplace, um, because we know that many women do um, experience hot flushes. So that ability to move to somewhere that's a little bit cooler. If you have um, a, a uniform within your workplace, um, can you look at making it more um, breathable fabric, more uh, 
better fitting for women, that it doesn't exacerbate any of their hot flushes. And I think also there is real benefit to creating a support network. Now, I've done, you know, webinars, seminars with many organisations, and this takes various different forms. It could be probably most widely known as a menopause cafe, but one of my clients called theirs Tropical Moments, um, which I think is a great, a great name for it. Um, an opportunity where people can come together um, and share their experiences, um, because for many women, one of the top things that they say about it, it the, about the menopause is they feel alone and they don't feel supported. So as a workplace, uh, opening that up and saying here is an opportunity to, to come together to have the discussion. So whether that is a, a Teams group, whether that is um, a Zoom meeting, whatever, or a Yammer, whatever format it takes, something like a menopause cafe or even menopause champions. We've got mental health champions. You know, what about a menopause champion? Someone that, that people know in the workplace they can go to um, that is understands what they're going through and can provide a level of support. Yeah, that makes complete sense to me. And I can see there's lots of options you've kind of looked there because it's not a one size fits all. It's not going to work for one business, not going to work for one individual. You said how uncomfortable it'll be for some people to talk about it for themselves. You know, as a male colleague, friend, manager, leader, how can I be an ally? You know, not a saviour, a blocker or a virtue signal. I want to do the right thing. So what should I be doing? Well, I think, yeah, thank you for acknowledging that. That's great. And and I think we're seeing more of that as well. More uh, people, work colleagues are coming forward and saying, I want to help. Um, I feel my hands are tied at the moment. I don't know what to do. What can I do? Um, I think the first thing to do is, yeah, ask that question. What can I do? Um, and listen. OK, take the time. Only ask the question when you do have the time to actually listen to the answer and make sure that it's in a, a space and an environment that is comfortable and is confidential, not in the middle of a busy workplace, somewhere that someone, if they wanted to open up, could feel that they could open up. So I think asking the question, first of all, is, is there something that um, I can help with? Um, would you like to talk to me? Is there something you know we can talk about? Um, even at another time if it's more convenient. Um, and then listening is, you know, a key thing. Really, really listen. Don't don't jump in with, oh, I've experienced this or my partner has this or whatever. Just listen to them. Because most women will say that they don't feel listened to. And it's the hardest thing because many women don't actually know themselves what's going on. So you try explaining to somebody what's going on when you don't even know yourself how you feel. It's really, really hard. So it just takes time um, and empathy as well really just saying you know I, okay I hear you I hear what you're saying um, and I, I know it is something um, that is uh, problematic perhaps that we can maybe work on together something we can do to support you um, so yeah listening is probably the, one of the best things we can do Steve. Brilliant that makes perfect sense to me and I think there's a danger that something like this becomes a trending topic and then it disappears again. So in a lot of ways, I'm pleased to see the things like we saw on ACAS that keeps it front and centre, keeps it on people's minds and make sure we're doing the right thing. The last thing I said, I'd want for a podcast like this to then suddenly be sat up on a shelf and no one to access it. You know, this should be about encouraging that learning, keeping it live, reminding people regularly how important this is. Um, and it feels like you've got lots of passion about this subject. You've got lots of expertise about this subject, plus a lot of other subjects as well. I know when we've spoken the last couple of weeks, you've spoken about the potential of there being a male menopause. What can you tell me about that? 
Yeah, this is great. So this is one of my other really popular webinars that I deliver. I think organisations are, you know, they're understanding more about the importance of menopause and they're approaching me about that. And and World Menopause Day is the 18th of October. So always October is a really busy month around then. But um, we're t- I'm finding, particularly over the last couple of years, that organisations are not just looking at menopause. They're also saying, actually, you know, what about men's health? Because we're looking at women here in this sort of midlife section what about men in this sort of midlife section so I don't know maybe three four years ago I wrote a men's health webinar and I find that organizations tend to purchase two so they tend to run the menopause one in October and the men's health one in November as part of November and within that webinar yeah absolutely we talk about andropause which is the title for male menopause does it exist hmm Okay, yes, it does, but it's very different to a female menopause. But also within that webinar, we also talk about some of the taboo subjects which really shouldn't be like prostate health and mental health for men and their heart health. Those sort of three key areas there because menopause is very taboo for women. What about guys? You know, there's a lot that we need of information that we need to share to build awareness of what men can do in that midlife and onwards to support their health. Understood. And I think the reason I asked the question, given this really needs to be focused today on the menopause and it really needs to be focused on how we can help women in the workplace, was when you mentioned before about listening and being empathetic and all of those kind of things, I think if it's something that you don't experience that is alien to you, it's more difficult to be empathetic so I was just trying to understand if there was any common ground there we can draw and it feels like to me we've got to treat the two things almost like they are separate things because the menopause very clearly has lots of years of study lots of expertise in terms of where we're at where men's health is a kind of almost like a bigger kind of topic all on its own that you're looking after because of all the different things that don't get talked about there so that sounds like something we might want to talk about on a future podcast yeah absolutely it's it's a podcast all in its own right absolutely and i think you know we are doing obviously this podcast today on the menopause but but this is just the beginning so when you know at the british menopause society's annual conference last week um it was very much discussed that for you know for as long as we know um for a very long time trials clinical trials have been conducted mostly on men and I kind of we we know why that is and that's because of a reproductive cycle can influence results you know but we're beginning to get more resources more financial resources behind um, trials for women for menopause so we are only just scratching the surface at the moment when we're doing menopause so although this is about menopause today you know there will be other conversations that we'll have because you know I said there in terms of for men we talk about heart health so for men cardiovascular disease is the number one killer in the uk of men um but actually for women it's much lower up until menopause when women reach menopausal age we're level pegged with men the risk is equal for both genders um so you know both of them independently have a lot more that we need and we'll find out more about. So yeah, we're only just scratching the surface with menopause, but absolutely we need to shout more about men's health too, because there's a lot of proactive, not reactive, proactive stuff that men 
can do if only they knew a bit more about what's available to them and what's actually going on inside their bodies at that stage of life. That's really interesting. I think um, it, it sounds wrong when you say how much medical kind of trials have been kind of dealt with by men over the years versus women and how that feels naturally that there's need, there's an imbalance there that needs to be uh, resolved. Um, and I'm coming at that from a very uneducated kind of perspective, um, but it's just the sense of it feels like there's something we can do a lot more there. But even though most of us won't be medical practitioners, it feels like from today there's a lot we can do um, in business. There's a lot we can do with friends. There's a lot we can do with partners. There's lots of support we can provide in general. Sometimes it will be empathetic because there are two people talking about it from common ground because they're both experienced it or both have experienced it. And other times it's about being kind. It's about doing the right thing. And as you've said multiple times today, listening sounds like a key thing. Have you got any final messages today? Um, I think I really want to, to end on something that's really positive because what um, I have experienced over the last week, as I say, at the conference uh, and also doing the webinars is that um, I, although the media can be very beneficial for sharing content, I think there's a lot of sensationalisation going on at the moment. And I speak to a lot of women who are not quite at that stage in their journey yet. And there's fear in them now that there wasn't before. And that's wrong. You know, menopause is a chapter of a woman's life. Every woman is going to experience it. So it's really important that we all, women directly, everybody indirectly, knows what it is, how we can support it. So it isn't to be thought of as something negative. It's actually a real positive. Because as you said at the start as well, at this stage of life for many women, they were at a fantastic stage in their career. They may have had a family and it also means that it's a new chapter. It's the beginning of them. A chapter that if they have had children, maybe those children are getting a little bit older now. And they are beginning to have more time for themselves. They have so much experience, so much respect. And it's also freedom from, you know, a regular reproductive cycle that they've had for most of their life. For many women, that could have been problematic. So it's a chapter to be embraced. And for most women, it's a really great long chapter. It's a third of their life that really they can start to do, to do more for themselves. What do they want to do? What do they want out of life? It's the beginning of, of a new stage of life and it's certainly to be embraced rather than to be frightened of. Fantastic. So some clear messages there that there are positives to be aware of. There's opportunities to kind of take advantage of. But to make sure that those are feasible, we've got to do our best as colleagues, friends, partners in terms of supporting that, making those reasonable adjustments, listening hard and kind of go through things from there. I really appreciate your time today, Anjanette. Uh, it's been fascinating as ever every time we kind of catch up with you. For anyone who wants to find out more, um, you can find out more about the webinars and seminars uh, that Anjanette does, uh, the Natural Alternative Health and Wellbeing website. Um, you'll find on there topics around webinars and seminars that include improving energy and concentration, stress management, improving resilience, support and immunity. 
smoking cessation, healthy heart, eat to sleep, so all around insomnia, managing menopause, which we've been talking about today, and mental health, which we touched on brief, briefly, and brain food, all about mental health. You can find out more about Anjanette Fraser herself on LinkedIn. Um, if you want to find out more about some of the stuff she does, why not go on Instagram or Facebook and look at Managing the Change. Um, or as we mentioned right at the start, go on podcast or the YouTube uh, for Bite Size Nutrition. So on YouTube, it's Bite Size Nutrition um, TV. Um, I'm also delighted to announce today that Anjanette will be joining us as an associate soon. So for anyone looking to improve their well-being strategy or looking to develop their knowledge, capability and business to support on a range of contemporary issues, get in touch. Uh, Anjanette can help you directly or she can help you indirectly via ourselves. Thank you again, Anjanette, for a lovely discussion today. I really appreciate it and feel very educated. That's great. Thanks so much, Steve. And thanks for all your great questions as well.